ain't ever gonna stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. Here we go again. Oh, freaking yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys, today we are going to recap Magomed Ankalaev's impressive knockout of Johnny Walker this past Saturday, UFC fight night, whatever number it was. <laughs> we'll also get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 297, which is main evented by Sean Strickland versus Drikas Duplessis for the middleweight title, and Raquel Pennington versus Myra Bueno Silva for the women's bantamweight title. Um, and finally, and per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. And it was another big week with quite a few headlines, things to talk about. Uh, all that and more, but first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 166 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the number of strikes Pedro Munoz landed against Frankie Edgar episode mm. of the Neon Belly Podcast. And a little fun fact about that um, is combined, both men landed a total of 301 significant strikes in that fight, which broke the UFC single fight record for most strikes landed in a bantamweight title. But that is neither here nor there. Regardless, we're just glad you're listening in. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a great time. It's a uh, historic yeah. episode. And we got a new intro. I don't know if you... How do you like that, Brandon? I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's really yeah. creative. Yeah, if you listened last week, um, our very own Jacob surprised me with a cameo from William Montgomery. Uh, and we said then it was going to make its way. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I found its way right into the intro, exactly where it needs to be. Um, that's I, pretty. That's pretty impressive. Like it's one thing to have like just a little like snippet on our soundboard, but to be in the intro, yeah, that's no, like, that's big stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't you don't get those kind of sound bites every day, yeah, right? We're 165 <laughs> episodes of the same intro, mm-hmm. and this happened, and it changed the course of our history now. So absolutely. Um, and we are coming in in the mid. I mean, this is pure bravery on all three of our parts we are literally coming into you guys at negative 27 degrees fahrenheit here in the middle of indiana um it is a cold cold sunday uh here in the midwest negative six technically Mm -hmm. but feels like negative 27 can confirm it feels like negative 27 (laughs) doors were frozen shut yeah so i had to like get in through the passenger side and push my driver door open (laughs) yeah it is a rough day uh, it is cold, bitter cold. Doesn't stop us though. Can't stop, won't stop. We ain't never gonna yeah, stop, baby. To be to be specific, never, never. gonna stop. Hootie hoo. Gotta go with it. Couldn't give me a hootie hoo back, Brandon. Is that? I just know that's from neighbors. That's all I know. Oh wow. Oh, no. Okay, if that's what you think it's from. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Jacob. Spending three thousand yeah. dollars, by the way. Three thousand to get that. Uh, drop for us um let's get into it boys we have a lot today Mm -hmm. um so we will start with john rate sub follow let the people know what we need them to do each and every week all righty well whatever you guys are listening on um whether that be spotify apple podcast wherever else uh, if they allow you to leave us a rating that helps us out a lot five stars pushes us up um on apple podcast you can leave us a review that helps us out a ton we read them on here um, and if it's cool enough, maybe it makes the intro. We don't know. We don't know what you're going to say. We don't know what we're going to read. Uh, on socials, Neon Belly Podcast, that's Instagram, that's YouTube, that's TikTok. Um, and then also on YouTube, Neon Belly Podcast is where we're at. Doing new 
uh, clips on there now. So you can come there and see some stuff that you won't see on our other socials. And we are also on X on Neon Belly Pod. Yeah, I really want to push out that uh, YouTube a little bit more. We're going to, that was one of our things this year. We already got our first YouTube video up. So go to Neon Belly Podcast on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Um, give the video a thumbs up. Um, we're just taking, you know, basically our picks and, and extended clips. Um, you know, so like social media, you only get like 60 seconds. So mm-hmm. it's basically taking things from the pod um, and, you know, five, you know, six to 10 minute clips. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're more of a visual person, we'll be, you know, putting all of our picks on there. Um, but even if not, man, just go support. Like I said, click subscribe. Thumbs up the videos if you see them. Uh, there's a bell notification yep. so you know when we're putting stuff up. So Absolutely. That's all very, very much appreciated. And we have like 96 subscribers. So Come through. We <laughs> Get on the train early is what we're saying. Well, here's the thing. We can all laugh about that. But we have literally, I mean, other than like some of like the Highsum and Sean Fallon. Open. Yeah, like we've never put anything into our YouTube. So other than clips. I mean, we do. Right. Have, most of those subscribers have come Shorts. through. Shorts. Yeah. Shorts. Um, so I will say four away from 100 would be nice to hit 100 yeah. subscribers this week. Why not? So if you're listening um, and you haven't been uh, to our YouTube to click subscribe, like I said, Neon Belly Podcast, we would appreciate just click it. Just yeah. this is a clicky. Just there might be some chess stuff on there. We don't know what Brandon's going to try to <laughs> yeah. upload when we're not paying attention. Fair enough. Boys, let's get to our recap this past Saturday. From the UFC Apex and in our light heavyweight main event, Magomed Ankalaev getting it started early with a nice knockout over Johnny Walker in the second round. Uh, and boys, I don't know if you know this or not, but Magomed Ankalaev is good. Yeah, uh, you might have forgot. Yeah, uh, but no, like in all seriousness, I think for me, I feel like in this performance for the first time, uh, personally. Um, I not only feel like I felt like I was watching a title contender, um, but I feel like I was watching one of the best light heavyweights in mm-hmm. the world. Um, and the thing that stood out to me uh, the most was the vision and the striking defense um, and just the patience as well mm-hmm. from Magomed. You know, Walker came out hot and was throwing a lot of really funky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can say what you want about that style, right? Like, and that, like getting back to like last week, that was one of my things, right? With a five round fight, it just don't know if he can keep that up. And mm-hmm. I think there's no way he would have been able to continue being that dynamic and explosive over five rounds. Um, but nonetheless, like I said, you know, Magomed just stayed. I mean, it's really tough when someone has to be tough when somebody's just doing all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause how many times too, have we seen Walker start like that and he lands that stuff and finishes the fight in the first round. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but Magomed stayed calm, stayed poised. He just seemed to me like he, like he was just seeing everything there mm-hmm. in that first those first exchanges um and then in the second round he came out really put the pressure on walker kept walker on the back foot which i think was a great idea um for a guy like walker but he stayed patient picking his shots and then boom just kind of sits him down with that big right hand uh follows it up with that <laughs> nasty dude. uppercut that definitely broke walker's nose i mean i was like that just looked like it hurt man oh, <laughs> i mean uh you know it's one thing to get put out like i think if you're a walker you just almost rather go out there than have to endure Ooh. that that sh- that last uppercut uh but boys i do think we are looking at our new uh light heavyweight number one contender but your guys' thoughts on the performance yeah so you know the shot really hurt like you said right when you see a fighter get hit in the face and their hand goes immediately to their nose that yeah. doesn't happen very 
often, so you, so you know how bad that had to hurt. But I think that, yeah, the technicality there for um, Uncle Iav, it's, it's obvious. We've known that he's a technical fighter, um, but I think because of that, sometimes we forget how much power he can carry. Um, and this fight really had displayed that, obviously, with, mm-hmm. the, with the shot he landed. But I think part of this, too, I, I said last week, I think Walker's path to victory is that kind of wild, that just kind of letting his stuff go. Yeah. I, I think that was his best shot. I, I, I don't think he would have beaten Uncle Live if he tried to go technique for technique and be really technical. Um, so, I mean, sometimes you get it, and sometimes that just isn't, you know, it doesn't work out for you. And I think that happened for Walker. But right. for Uncle Live, yeah, man, just super crisp, saw everything. Like you said, the power was there. And just that number one contender slide. I think I think he is the number one contender at this point as well. So yeah, I just thought it was a fantastic performance and the power man. Just don't forget that that guy carries it because that te- oh, yeah. that technique can kind of overshadow it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and you know it kind of reminded me of how like Robbie Lawler um, went down when he got his nose punched off. Like mm. where you just or like um, the the nastiest. The only thing I can even compare it to as a follow up was like the Yoel on Rockhold, where he's just like laying against the cage and you just see somebody put their all into it. But you know. For Magomed, this was probably a release of frustration of, you know, split decisions or draws or, you know, disqualifications. Like, he hasn't been able to really show, you know, his best. And I think he kind of took the yawn fight as far as feeling like he won, but it went to decision into to heart. And he's even said as much as like, hey, now I'm going to just got to go out there to finish, guys, because I don't want to feel this feeling again. And, man, uh, he didn't leave it for anything. I think um, – in that first round, there was a lot of those crazy kicks that were very, very close. But like you said, Magomed was very patient. I imagine they brought in some extra people to kind of um, deal with that. But then even in that second round, to get that clinch and kind of corral Johnny Walker so he can get him right where he wants him and then land that big shot, mm-hmm. uh, you could just tell that he's really in his bag right now. And I think he put himself in a very, very, very great position with that performance. Yeah, and I, we still don't know you know, how much longer Hill is going to be out. Uh, but I say if it's any longer than like international fight week you know Ankalaev has to be next for Pedeta you know I don't care if Yuri or Rakic goes out puts on like this crazy performance with a big finish uh, we can't get blinders on that I mean what Ankalaev has done you know regardless of those couple funky decisions there right with Jan which again is a fight I think he won and then obviously the last one with Walker you just can't deny a guy who's unbeaten in 12 straight fights and has never gotten I mean I guess technically he got a shot against Jan um, but regardless of how you feel about Walker as an opponent for somebody in terms of a number one contender matchup to me at least you can rest on Ankalaev went out and did exactly what he should have done mm-hmm. then to a guy like Johnny Walker if that's how you feel um now if he'll he'll can come back say sooner than the summer which honestly i may be giving him too long even for the summer because i feel like you know potatoes got had some time now um obviously uncle live has um uh that, that he i don't think he's gonna need much time no. there obviously hasn't been very active obviously. yeah i don't think he's gonna need much time there to turn around um so really you might even give hill till like april may why do you keep giving me big eyes because i don't know if you've seen glover call like he tweeted out to oh we'll Magomed. see you soon yeah, yeah. I, to me that gives 300 vibes could be yeah they need it they need a, t- a big title fight i think he could make a ton of sense i think he really that's why i said it made a big chance i think he really cashed that in and i think there's a high probability that we see that I, it would make a ton of sense. I mean, I'm not. I if it, if Magomed can turn around for 300, absolutely. But let's say Hill can come back by mm-hmm. 300 again. We I don't think we really have a timeline. No. Not that I remember. Well, he was at the fights, and I think that what Magomed did. I mean, maybe there was a a moment that if 
that fight's a stinker or Johnny Walker wins, you know, Jamal Hill can, you know, kind of make it more of a statement of, you know, I'm ready for the shot. But now Magomed's really thrown himself in a mix to where, you know, hopefully Jamal Hill doesn't rush it, but he might feel a little bit of pressure, uh, you know, to get back in there because now there's another guy who's really knocking on the door. Yeah, I think only if Hill can't come back. Right. You know, you could maybe give Magomed Yuri Rakic winner, um, but neither can jump him that's all yeah. i'm gonna say that that would be you know because I, I just feel like they're gonna really especially if yuri wins i feel like they're gonna do everything they can to try to run that fight back with Pedeta. um and i just don't think that's fair to model at this mm-hmm. point you know so again because i i think even if i remember i think even dana felt like Magomed won that fight against Jan. Mm-hmm. Can't remember, but should have been there anyway. So mm-hmm. I guess that's the biggest thing. I was like, really, at this point, if it's not Hill, it has to be Magomed next. 300 would be great. Um, speaking of UFC 300 <laughs> boys, um, which I guess before we get into our co-main event, um, I've completely spaced putting this in my notes, but we'll, I do want to talk about it is obviously our original main event, Manel Kopp versus Mataj Nikolaou canceled because Manel Kopp missed by three and a half pounds. Yeah. Fight got canceled. Um, and boy, I mean, talk about for a guy like Manel Kopp, right? We talked about it last week. Kind of on the cusp of stardom here, right? Like, I was starting to put everything together. It's looking mm-hmm. good in the cage. Um, he's looking really good at press conferences, selling himself, getting some notoriety. This was a Big, big moment to start the year here for Manel Cop and the streak that he's been on and everything combined when you look into what it is. Um, and boy, what a letdown here to not make weight in this fight and then to have it canceled. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I just think like, man. And, and I mean, this guy's career, I ha- I'll look it up real quick while you guys talk it's about like it. Eight, nine I'm fights. pretty sure he's had more fights canceled in the UFC mm-hmm. than he's actually had fights. How many has he had weight misses prior to this? He hasn't. Um, I think that he he had one on his part that was canceled. It said for um, bad test or something. I don't know exactly what that okay. goes to, but he had like four fighters pull out for medical. Right, uh, Alex Perez, one of them. Um, uh, Kai Car France had the concussion. He had to pull out. So he's had like eight or nine fights, but only two, including this one, where right, it something where it's on him. Yeah. So he was supposed to make his UFC debut um, in August of 2020 against Rogerio Bonterine. That fight got canceled. Then he was scheduled to face that a few months later in December. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja. That got canceled. Then he did face Alexandre Pantoja. So we're already at two. Um, then he's got fights canceled with Sumadarji, another one canceled with Bonterine, um, Alex Perez, Davison Figueroa, Kaikar France, and now Mataj Nikolai. Um, so he has had uh, four, he's had six UFC fights and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight canceled. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is just, I mean, just, and again, like not all of them his fault, right? Like, right. like Kaikar France, I remember off top, obviously fell out. Um, some of these are from his opponents, but man, just. Just a weird career for a guy that just I feel like is right there. Well, like, and and that's where it makes you makes it difficult on how to feel about it because he missed the weight. The Sumadarji fight, he tested positive. Okay, or yeah. something. So he missed the weight, and he knows that he's had all these opportunities taken from him from people getting hurt. Yeah. He knows he's on the cusp. Like, so you feel like, man, you got to make sure you cross your eyes. Yeah. You know, dot your t's type of thing. <laughs> What he, he said it backwards, but I got you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it's just it's just an unfortunate scenario, like you said. This this has been becoming a very it's very much a theme for him to have a fight that kind of falls off. But when it's when it's directly on him in this case with the weight miss, it's kind of like man, like I 
I, I don't know if I feel too bad, like, at this point, just because, you, like you said, it's it's one of those things. You've had so many canceled. You've got to do everything on your part to make yeah. sure that you show up and wait. I mean, yeah, sometimes weird stuff happens. I guess we'll wait and see if something weird happened with camp or something weird happened with the weight cut. You know, these guys are mm-hmm. – I, I get that. But outside of that, you know, I, there's really no excuses for that. Three pounds, that's, that's a pretty big yeah, miss. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sitting here looking of the eight that have been canceled, just two are his fault, the Nick right. Lau and mm-hmm. – the Sumudarji. So well, and all the a, other six were his opponents falling right. off. Well, and when those opponents have fall off, he's gotten very, very upset, and he's been very vocal about you know them like not being professional yeah. or having feelings about them. Yeah, as that's people. a good point. And then now you do this, so there's got to be a little bit of you know humbling or yeah, you know something there where he says, okay, I got to make sure I take care of my part before I get mad at everybody else. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know if they'll rebook that, you know, move it back a couple weeks. I maybe UFC 300. I have no idea what the plan. Is it? I haven't seen anything yet. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I did want to throw that in there. Big part, obviously. We even picked, featured that fight, picked for it. Um, but stepping into the main event spot, and boy, I'm glad he did. Jim Miller defeats Gabriel Benitez via third round rear naked choke. Um, and boys, I don't know if he could submit Brock Lesnar with a Kimura. But we know Jim Miller now is good enough to beat uh, Benitez. And he's still, in my opinion, good enough to compete in the UFC in this lightweight division. I thought this was a great performance by the 40-year-old in his 43rd UFC fight. Extends his UFC record uh, for most wins to 26. I thought he looked good in the stand-up early as well. Really getting on those legs of Benitez early, which I think helped him later in this fight. Um, And he just really showed off some ring generalship, I think, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. You know, as soon as he felt like the stand-up was starting to get away from him a bit, he would go to those takedowns. Um, And then in the third round, you know, even there in the second, he got on his back. And I thought for sure, I was like, man, you get Jim Miller on your back, probably over. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the third, finds his way back to uh, Benitez's back uh, for his second straight win. Also a winner of five of his last six. Mm -hmm. UFC 300, get ready. The Jim Miller train is coming, baby. Yeah, man. You know, this doesn't... This has a weird feel to it. This doesn't feel like let's get him one more or, you know, because, I mean, he said that he doesn't necessarily want to retire after 300. But he's kind of found a little bit of a stride in this zone. I I don't know how that translates to uh, upper, upper echelons of competition. But I think he's added wrinkles into his striking. Um, Within that five and one of his last six, all those wins are finishes. It's not like he's... Well, and he's not beating. I mean, he's not... I mean, he's, you know, when you look at the guys that he's beat, I mean... It's not like completely, you know, like he had uh, the loss to Hernandez, but, you know, Jesse Butler, okay, in his last one. But then it was Donald Cerrone, um, Nicholas Mota, who melted somebody last night, and Eric Gonzalez, again, another guy that's not, you know, terrible. So he's got some big wins in this, Mm -hmm. you know, five of six. So, yeah, very, very impressive for sure. How how old did you say he was? 40 years old. 40. 43 UFC fights alone. That's yeah, and to me, like part of what's crazy is just his style. It doesn't seem like his like his age where he's at mm-hmm. is completely impacted the his ability to implement his game plan mm-hmm. between yeah. the leg kicks, the takedowns, which to me is super impressive because a lot of guys by the time they hit forty, you see a drastic drop in how they fight, and for him, it just kind of has been everlasting. 
And I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder how this performance will affect how they book him for 300. I know, obviously, he had some call-outs, but I, I think that he's just been very impressive, especially over these last two, but just in that last, that run of six where it's like, you know, maybe we do give him somebody decent to maybe either give a rub or to give him some more opportunity. Yeah, I mean, the, the UFC 3, I know, you know, the, the UFC 300 thing, maybe, you know, we say it almost like a little tongue-in-cheek, but it really does mean a lot to him, and it's a big deal to him. And I think he deserves a lot of credit, Jim Miller, does for risking that by even taking this fight right because Mm -hmm. even if he didn't lose kind of like we talked about last week one bad injury one bad cut and the 300 thing is off the books like Mm -hmm. you're just not gonna make it you know he did say in his post fight you know hopefully i can heal up in time he was kind of a bit of you know he took some a little bit of damage in there um but man when he uh went out when he took this fight kind of sort of betting on himself in a sense you know for Mm -hmm. where a guy in this stage of his career can kind of go out and bet on yourself gave himself the opportunity just three months before 300 to go on get on a microphone call his shot um and it all worked out for him in the end so you just couldn't be happier for a guy like jim miller um but yeah let's kind of talk some potential opponents because he said a couple there i do like all of them obviously the paul felder fight makes sense would be fun Mm -hmm. um we've talked about that one for a while I loved the Matt Brown call yeah. out. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, didn't see a welterweight. You he know, said he wants to go up to. Yeah, it. I didn't see that in the uh, Jim Miller plans. But I, I think that is a really interesting, fun fight. Um, but one that I'm going to throw out, and I think it just also makes a ton of sense and would be a great fight for both guys, is Jim Miller versus Tony Ferguson. Um, two guys still with a lot. You know, Tony. We know Tony's probably going to fight again, right? Whether we mm-hmm. like it or not. I think if he is fighting. A guy like Jim Miller is about where he needs to be anyways. I think it's a it's a pretty fun fight um, because even though these guys are later in career, both still they're still entertaining, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it you know it'd be with the names alone. I think it could work on a three hundred setting. Um, Patty Pimblett, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody's walking away from that Patty fight thinking that we throw Patty in the top fifteen. You know, we kind of said as much. And matter of fact, I really think when you look at Jim Miller. Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimblett, Paul Felder. Somehow you those four need to face each other. But you don't want to go – obviously you can't go Pimblett and Ferguson again. Um, so, you know, I think Paul Felder and Patty Pimblett's a great fight too. Mm-hmm. You could do Jim Miller and Tony Ferguson. Mm-hmm. You could do Jim Miller and Patty, Tony and Paul Felder, uh, whatever. But I yeah. think for some reason to me, those four, they're like where they are, which like – if you're Patty, woof, that like we're kind of throwing you in with this kind of elder statesman group here. But I think he needs, man, he's just, he just, there's still some developing, at least that I think we all agree mm-hmm. that we saw from that last fight that still needs to take place. So these are kind of the guys you face when you're trying to work out the kinks, I guess. I think that Jim Miller has deserved, because it's been off of, of winning and looking good, finishing a Patty or, you know, Matt Brown, who's been kind of, he's won some, lost some, but. I do think the Tony Ferguson one makes sense by name, but I feel like the fact that he's been winning and still kind of climbing up, and Tony's looking for what, yeah. you know somebody to kick him yeah, out the door. But like for Jim, like Jim Miller's not going to get back to a title. You know, no. I mean, he 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 may see the top fifteen rankings. I don't know, but I mean, it's not like that really. Like he's at a stage in his career where he's still around, which is you know he's glad mm-hmm. to just still be here. And I think I don't even think. That really matters to a guy like him, or where he is in his career. Yeah, I just, I just would like to see him get, um, you know, a chance to, you know, cause yeah, because if he okay, but if you give him somebody on the rise, and then like say he ends up ranked number fifteen, do you want to see him against Jalen Turner or Benoit Saint Denis or you know? 
Matt Frivola. I mean, that's just not what I don't want to see Jim Miller in those fights. But he's but he's beating all these people. Yeah, though. but that's, he's not look. I mean, it's definitely a different level. Right, though. but I mean, I mean, I think at this point, you know, you let him see where that's at because it's not like because he because he, he isn't saying I'm retiring at 300. So obviously, he still wants to fight. No, so. but there is fights. There's Matt Brown. There's Tony Ferguson. Right. There's Paul Felder. I mean, there's still that's three fights right there that could get him to next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he doesn't need to fight like somebody that's going to potentially throw him in there. Like I almost, yeah. Well, that's just, why I don't, I don't even really want to see him against Patty. Like I know you threw that yeah. out there, but to me, Patty's on a trajectory where he, I know we don't want to necessarily see him in the 15 quite yet, but we kind of need to. Yeah. Like he's kind of at that point. So for me, it makes a lot of sense to see Miller and yeah, Ferguson or Matt Brown or, or Felder or yeah. one of these guys. No, I, I totally agree. But regardless, Need to get him on that 300, man. Mm-hmm. I hope that's something that gets announced this week. And I hate that they're, like, being, like, so non-committal with it as well. Yeah. Like, which maybe, I mean, obviously you need to see what happens with this fight, so I get it. But would have love for, like, the UFC to come out and be like, yeah, we're, we're going to figure it out. We're going to get him on there. Because if he's not on it, there's going to be, yeah, we lose, riot. lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next fight, boys, and probably the one I'm, like, most excited about today is Mario Bautista. <laughs> defeats Ricky Simone via unanimous decision and what a fight but more mm-hmm. importantly if you didn't know about Mario Bautista you do now um, and he's a guy that we've talked about before you know all the way back when he was supposed to fight Cody Garbrandt um, and when that fight was canceled I even made it a point to say I was going to pick Bautista in that fight because I want people like this kid is good mm-hmm. um, and he showed why we need to be watching him in this fight what a performance to uh defeat his first ranked opponent in Ricky Simone completely outclassed Ricky on the feet uh, Ricky was still dangerous landing obviously with the big power shots especially in round one but as this fight went on Bautista just kept pulling away in my opinion from uh, Simone showcase incredible takedown defense which mm-hmm. is no easy task against a guy like Simone um, and even when he was taken down utilized some really good jujitsu uh, skills there to sweep get back up to the feet um, and almost impressively for me was the pace and cardio because no one yeah. outpaces and out cardios Ricky Simone but by the end of that fight Ricky looked as gassed I think as we've ever seen mm-hmm. and if that was a fight to the death I think Ricky's going to go out before Bautista <laughs> Right. You know, um, and Bautista looked like, you know, he may even have had another round or two in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your guys' thoughts on Bautista's biggest win in his career and moving himself to 13-0 and in his career. Yeah, it looked really good. I, like you said, the pace and the cardio really stood out to me because at the end when you see Ricky kind of— 13-0. He's 14-2, and two, my yeah. bad. So when you see Ricky at the end of that fight really tra- having troubles with his gas tank, mm-hmm. and then one of the things the commentator said during one of the scrambles when Ricky was on top was Bautista was able— he was he was making Ricky work for every little thing that he was going for, right? And yeah. like I think a lot of time guys on bottom, they'll get kind of complacent with being on bottom and they'll just try to hold, try to you know stop some offense from the top guy. But Bautista the entire time was elevating, using his legs, switching his hips. He was moving constantly. And that's really tough to deal with as a wrestler when you want to hold somebody yeah. down. And I just think that really did pay dividends. He was constantly moving that entire fight. And by the end of it, I think that was really the difference maker was the cardio. Because, yeah, he was getting the better on the feet and he was doing good defensively. But at the end of the day, I do think that cardio was, was truly the golden ticket for Bautista in this fight. Yeah. Because that's what, in that third round especially, you start to see him really light up Ricky with the shot. And mm-hmm. in round one, Ricky, you know, he had his own his own offense on the feet, and he was able to land some takedowns. So, yeah, to me, cardio was what won the day for sure. 
Yeah, I think adjustments as well. I think um, in that first round where Ricky Simone landed the big shot off of the knee attempt by uh, Mario, you see him go back to his corner like, I don't want to throw that anymore. He caught me with it. Um, but in that third round, man, I mean, half of his strikes that Mario landed were in the third round. He put on a boxing clinic, constantly just overwhelming Ricky Simone, forcing Ricky Simone to take bad shots and, and desperate shots and that, that weren't there. Um, and, and really turned it on. I think for Ricky Simone, I think his jujitsu kind of let him down a little bit because every time, the couple times he was able to get takedowns, uh, Mario was able to get right back to Turtle. Ricky would go for that front headlock, and then he'd just stand right back up, and there was just no type of answer for the transition for Mario. So I think that once he, I think in that third round, stuffing the takedowns, landing the punches, I think it kind of broke Ricky Simone, and we really haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't agree. But even like that, like, I mean, when Ricky Simone gets on top of guys, they usually don't get up until the round's over or he finishes them. Mm -hmm. um, I credit more credit Bautista's uh, getting, as soon as they got, you know, he just never settled into any position, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, there was another fight on this card. Um, it was, uh, let me pull it up right here. Uh, darn it. I loved this fight. It was a great fight. Let me find it. Uh, Taylor, uh, Lapalus versus Fahid Basharat. And when Lapalus, he did a great job defending the takedowns, but as soon as, soon as Basharat would kind of get, um, past the hips or the you know he was trying to post he would just settle in he mm -hmm. was just like he kind of just accepted that he had been taken down mm -hmm. um and to me bautista just didn't he never accepted. he was immediately trying to get his butterflies in trying to sweep like i mean there was just never it was like yeah i mean you could say maybe ricky i don't think his necessarily jujitsu let him down i just think bautista was just not willing to concede anything he mm -hmm. knew he couldn't get stuck under him either right one thing i will say to your point is that the front the front headlock because he went for that three or four mm -hmm. times yeah every Good time point. Bautista did he had to answer for it immediately yeah and Ricky like at one he had the back or I guess the from turtle at least twice transitioned to the front headlock because I don't know if he just trusts it there's just mm -hmm. something there he likes yeah but it just was not there for him tonight yeah. and that's an adjustment he should have made where you know hey maybe you stick to the back land some ground and pound try to flatten him out from there because that front headlock you're yes. just not able to hold him stay on the hips or something because mm -hmm. it just wasn't yeah. working and beating number 13 you have to assume come Monday he probably will find himself inside the top 15 um he called out Rob Font for his top 10 spot spot excuse me um, and I say with how good he looked just there against number 13. I mean, mm -hmm. why not give him a shot at number nine, Rob Vaughn? I think that's a great fight. Yeah. I think he kind of called his own shot there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, to, to have a chance to potentially sneak into the top 10, what a year, start to the year that would be for Bautista. And stylistically, they're pretty similar, so I think it would be a really good fight. I agree. Uh, any other results, boys, before we move on to UFC 297 that stood out to you? Uh, Bruno Fajeda, I mean, just did Phil Hoster. I mean... I don't know what, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Fajeda, but, you know, Phil Haas, man, like, I just, you just see guys deteriorate, man, to a point where it's like everything's there for a guy like Phil Haas to be great, right? But, mm -hmm. man, his chin has just let him down. Um, you know, that's now three losses in a row, all threes, first-round finishes mm -hmm. for Phil Haas. Um, had the win over Duran win. Take that for what it is, I guess. Um, but then it's two before that were losses again. So, I hate to see that for a guy like him. You know, I remember thinking he had a really high ceiling. Um, but, yeah, I think that – I just – I don't know. I don't want to say something offensive, but I just feel like the chin's gone. Like, yeah. I, I don't – and I don't know that it's going to come back. Bruno Fajeda hits like an absolute truck. I told you guys, he gives me vibes of like Punaele Soriano when he started. Mm -hmm. um, but I see Fajeda's ceiling higher than even Puna's right now because of that judo. Didn't know he was a jitsu or judo guy. Yeah, he's definitely a judo <laughs> guy, you know, getting those trips and stuff. Oh, um, I mean, that's just, it's going to be tough for guys to deal with. 
maybe a little too small. Kind of uh, reminds me of Hector Lombard, where it's like you have all that power, but you have yeah. to get in to use it. But he's with the judo. You can't really clinch up with him because he will throw you, and people are seeing that now, and he does have the power to put anybody out. Okay win for Waldo Cortez Acosta over Andre Arlovsky. I'll be honest, I kind of hated everything about this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know, man, like, you know, when you're when you're Cortez Acosta, right, and you're in there, and it's like you have a chance to get a name like Andre Arlovsky on your record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to do more, man. Like yeah. like the the showboating, the dancing, like you know that stuff's fun if you're really doing something. Like mm-hmm. you know, like think back to like when Cody Garbrandt, who did he face? And he's like Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz. He's like doing like the look away, like, and he's just shuffling he, the feet. That's all fun. That. Yeah. yeah, there's a time for that. I'm not like anti that stuff, but like you're doing all this stuff, but you're not really doing much either. Yeah. Um, but then for Andre Arlovsky, man, he's just kind of, I was telling you guys, he's in this weird thing where like, if he doesn't lose, he just, his fights are these decisions and he's like, it's like, he's just seen so much. I think at this point that it's hard to like, mm-hmm. you know, like Acosta, I said, you've got to, Andre Arlovsky, he's seen it all, right? He's been right. around for so long. Like you've got to do something. It was just too one dimensional in my mm-hmm. opinion from, from Acosta. He wasn't setting things up very well. Yeah. You're going to have to do more, but Arlovsky can just kind of slow the fight down. He's done it a lot and mm-hmm. kind of get to decisions whether he wins or loses be interesting to see what they do with arlovsky mm-hmm. um i don't know um but the three obviously that stuck out to me um off top you know marcus mcgee basharat who i mentioned and josh van uh all three amazing performance marcus mcgee especially i mean what what a knockout that guy's that guy's a problem yeah that bantamweight i mean really just a thick beefy bantamweight uh, Jean Silva, the new favorite fighter. <laughs> wow, yeah, Go what ahead, a give character! Us the impression. That, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean that guy is a character. And then obviously Nicholas Mota with a good knockout. Like I said, pretty good fight night. I will say um, before we move on, I do think these first card of the years could easily be something. And I think mm-hmm. the UFC should recognize that, especially if they take four weeks off at the end of the year, like they kind of just did here, which I think they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but there really seemed to be a buzz about having fight nights back yeah. um, on you know social media. Very similar, I felt like, to opening weekend in the NFL, right? There's just like this buzz, like football's back, baby. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how many times did you see on social media, like fighting's back, like UFC's back, this and that. And I think the UFC should capitalize on that. I think it should be a fight night, something mm-hmm. that everybody can watch. But I think it should be bigger, man. Like put yeah. it on ESPN, put it on ABC, put together a stacked freaking card to kick off the year, much like they do International Fight Week, you know, the... Uh, the Super Bowl weekend usually always a big car. Like they end try of the to year. end of the years. Like they always try to find. But yeah, man, take like a four to six week hiatus there from the end last fight to the first, and just make it a big free fight night mm-hmm. to get fans excited for the year. Um, because they're really for the first time I feel like I've ever noticed there just seemed to be a buzz um, about UFC and being back. Maybe you know with three hundred being so soon, that like it was kind of hard to find. You know, to make this card as stacked as what you really want. But yeah, I, I think in in theory that's a fantastic idea. Well, look at everything. Thing they've done and I mean we're going to get into it in the news but they've dumped so much into 299 300 some of these other fight nights that you know even last year they the all these pay-per-views coming up they announced so much for them so yeah it made it kind of um difficult that, for them to fill it up but I mean all the finishes on this the fights that weren't finishes for the most part were good so yeah. can't ask for much more yeah I just think like again just put it on ESPN put it on ABC make it feel bigger mm-hmm. um and I think it could really kick the year off um 
Boys, before we get into UFC 297, Brandon, update us on our scores. All right, so the cop fight fell off, so the that only stunk. score, yeah, so the scores, you both came away with two points, and then I had one, so John, you have five, Nate, you've got two, and I now have negative two. <laughs> nice. Week one, couldn't get out of that negative. Could, could could not be less worried still about could, John, just want to say. Still <laughs> could, see what I brought. Couldn't break the deficit. John does have the eight ball. Can confirm. Boys, let's get to it. UFC 297 this Saturday, January 20th from Scotia Bank Arena. I hope I'm saying that. Scotia Bank Arena in Toronto, Canada with a main card start time of 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, And before we get to our picks, boys, you know I got a little fun fact about Toronto, Canada, and that is... Back in 1914, Toronto had a professional baseball team called the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Their stadium sat on the edge of the Toronto Island overlooking Lake Ontario. On September 5th, 1914, they hosted the Providence Grays. And in the sixth inning of that game, a young man by the name of George Herman Ruth stepped up to bat and hit his first ever professional home run. Um, Now, the mystery of what became of Babe Ruth's first home run um, has really never been solved. And that's because some say the ball was hit into the stands where either it was thrown back onto the field or taken home and played with by like a fan. They said, you know, home run balls weren't a big deal back then. Kid, they'd really just take them from the stadium and go play, beat them up and throw them away. Uh, But many believe uh, that the ball was hit, still believe this as well, because it's been a little debunked, not really, um, but many still believe the ball was hit into Lake Ontario where it still rests to this day. But nonetheless, let the record be known, Babe Ruth Baby hit his first ever professional home run in Toronto, Canada. Salt in a swat. Salt in a swat. I don't even know what that means. Colossus of clout. Mm. Great Bambino. Big baseball guy, so. I can tell. <laughs> Holy <Jeez>. cow. <laughs> uh, with that, boys, uh, let us get to UFC 297 and our first featured bout uh, on this card, and that is, let me get to it. <laughs> <laughs> I flipped into my notes. I just played myself so hard. Our middleweight title fight. Uh, there it is. I did um, I did everything backwards in my mm. notes, so this is going to be a fun one. Uh, and that is in the featherweight division as uh, number three Mavzar. You know what? Screw this. I'm not going to do it. Got Ron Burgundy over here. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the teleprompter says. We do it, we do it live. <laughs> well, I was going to do it, so you know what? We're just going to start with our main event. We usually go opposite, but... We usually go main event first, don't we? Yeah. Or no, we, we read our results usually main event yeah. first. Yeah. Mm, fair point. Fair point. Alrighty, let's do that again, boys. In our main event uh, for UFC 297, we have the champion, Sean Strickland, taking on number two ranked Drikus Duplessis. Um, and let us begin with our 2024 Male Fighter of the Year in the new middleweight champion, Sean Strickland, who will be putting his title on the line for the first time since he defeated Israel Adesanya back in September at UFC 293. Uh, that night, Strickland defeated Izzy by unanimous decision. That fight also extended his current win streak to three straight with all three of those wins happening in the year of 2023 uh, because before he beat Izzy he came in off back-to-back wins over Nazardini Mavov who he fought on short notice in January and then defeated Abus Magomedov by second round TKO just two months before he became middleweight champ 
His opponent and challenger, Drikus Duplessis, is another man coming off a really good 2023. Um, and we mistakenly forgot to hand out Breakout Fighter of, of the <laughs> Year Award this year, I was telling John. Um, but I can say Duplessis would have not only been on that list, but he might have won it just in terms of where a guy started the year and then ended the year, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's because last year, Drikus defeated Derek Brunson by second-round TKO in March and then turned around and did the very same thing to Robert Whitaker in his last fight back in July. Uh, Drikus comes into this matchup unbeaten in his last eight straight bouts. And it's a report, important to remember, he was supposed to be the man opposite Adesanya back at 293, but declined to take that fight, um, which we all kind of thought was a big mistake and feared that he may have gotten skipped right in the line. Um, and then, you know, we even talked about, you know, seeing what then Strickland was able to go out and do. You had to be wondering if you're Drikus, like kicking yourself a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, yeah, here we are, boys. First pay-per-view of the year, and he gets his shot. And we will begin with Brandon. How do you see this one going? So this one, I, this is such a weird fight, man. Like, if you would have told me six months ago that we were going to see these two fighting for the middleweight belt i would have thought i would have thought you were silly um I, i've historically gotten both these guys wrong multiple times yeah um, i did not pick for strickland against izzy i did not pick for duplessis when he fought whitaker and both of them proved me wrong and there was even fights before that i chose i picked against them um the w one thing that separates the two things i guess that really separates these guys from me one is duplessis has a little bit of an edge in grappling i would say he's got some weird takedowns with the headlock he threw against whitaker but hey it worked um i think that's one thing and then the second Second to me is cardio. So we've never really seen Strickland gas, but we have seen Duplessis gas. And we can talk about the whole. Have we though? I think we have. Like if you have, if you go to the Till fight, I think if you go to um, like a few fights even before that, I think he. Even if you don't want to say gas, he looks sloppy. It works. It works, but I think some of that comes into play with the cardio. I think that's, if you look in this later round, that's where the sloppiness tends to come in. Um, but again, he still wins. He he makes me eat my words, but. I just don't see Strickland gassing. I have a hard time seeing who wins this and how mm. um, due to consistency with the striking. I, I think that's where Strickland has the edge, push the pace, make him play his game. I think if, if Duplessis implements the grappling and, and is able to hold Strickland down, that's one thing. Also, Duplessis carries some weird, awkward power. So maybe that, mm -hmm. that lands as well. But ultimately, I'm going to go with Strickland. I'm going to say fourth round TKO. I think he pushes the pace. I think he wears down Duplessis. And I think he gets it done. I think it's going to be similar to what he did with Abus, but longer. Yeah, Strickland looks to be in phenomenal shape mm -hmm. as well. I did see that on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm with Brandon. This is a really interesting and tough one for me. And primarily exactly what he said. This time last year, would have never predicted that we would be here for either <laughs> of these guys. Uh, let alone to see Sean Strickland as a champion. It's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, when the chips are stacked against both of these guys, right, they always seem to kind of rise to the occasion and prove every run, run wrong. So I think from that standpoint alone... Um, um, this is a really intriguing matchup. Uh, I think both have a tendency to kind of overperform in big spots, which is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. Um, and both are also, ironically, coming off really big upsets, right? Uh, where in both matchups, right, we thought both would be at a disadvantage in the striking, yet both successfully uh, not only won their matchups on the feet, uh, but did so in impressive fashion. Uh, so like I said, I, I just think it's an incredibly tough fight to pick for. Um, but here's kind of where I had to land, and that's who do I think uh, could be more capable of solving the other in the stand-up. And for me, that's Drikus. Um, you know, we know Sean will utilize that Philly shell, uh, kind of mix it up with his cardio, right? You know, he kind of 
plays off of those two things really well mm-hmm. um, by pushing the pace and, and doesn't stop, but just does a really good well defending himself with that shell. Um, but how you can beat a Philly shell. And it's one thing I think uh, Izzy felt short of is moving forward, bringing volume, and getting your opponent to react differently and, mm-hmm. and trying to be as defensive as possible. Get him to be as defensive as possible. Um, and Izzy, to me, just wasn't active enough in his fight with Strickland. And I think Drikas is a guy who, for better or worse, will come forward um, and he's going to take the risks necessary to beat, uh, get Strickland's guard down. And it's important to remember Drikas showed a, a good high guard himself in that Whitaker fight. Um, he was very tough for Whitaker to hit in that matchup. Also got some funky and ortho- unorthodox footwork, does Drikas, um, in the his timing just unlike anyone else as mm-hmm. well. Um, but the other reason I'm giving Drikas an edge for is for his ability to possibly get this fight down. That wasn't something he had to worry about in the Izzy fight, meaning Strickland. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of a boost, it's really nothing uh, Strickland's had to worry about in his last couple of fights. Um, and not only uh, to get it down for Drikas, but then to keep it there and maybe even finish on the ground. Sean's incredibly tough to get down. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I do believe DDP might be the strongest guy Strickland's ever faced, and I'm including Cannoneer in on that. Um, And I think strength, uh, the difference there for DDP and strength could be also a big difference that leads to that success in the grappling where um, maybe Strickland hasn't faced as much. I think my pick, also a little contingent on DDP getting it down, I will say. So take that with a grain of salt. Because if he doesn't get it down, he could he could get picked apart, right, mm-hmm. for five rounds. Um, but I think that has to be a part of the game plan for Adrikas heading into Saturday. Even if it's not the primary plan, um, I think uh, he's getting teed up. on. I think if he is getting teed up, they'll have to have a plan to get it down to find the way to win. Um, let's see. Adrikas, he's really tough to uh, – I'm trying to think. Adrikas has never been five rounds, has he? Uh, I don't think he has. I don't think he has. I think that. Should, I'm surprised I didn't factor more into your pick. I just I don't know that he's going to need five rounds though. I think that's again. I, I just do you I think if it if it does get to five rounds, like let's say he he's usually in the third, right? Is like he's probably been he's been three rounds, but how do you think he does in the fourth and fifth? I don't know, man, because like again, he looks he has those moments right where he looks completely gassed, but then finds a way and just pulls things out of, out of nowhere. Um. I don't know, man, but he's just really a tough guy to beat. Again, he hasn't lost since 2018, mm-hmm. um, so he's just not. And he, I mean, and to beat a guy like Robert Whitaker, I mean, that's. I mean, maybe I've just got goggles on from that. It's just really impressive for me, um, which is crazy because you would think I would be more impressed by a guy like Strickland beating Izzy. Um, but when I look at that fight, I just think <clears throat> Strickland had like the perfect game plan and mm-hmm. just not enough from Izzy. Um, and maybe I'm giving that too much. Maybe I feel like Strickland. Uh, or is he kind of more underperformed, mm-hmm. um, which maybe isn't fair. I do like Drikas to finish here. Um, I will take Drikas third round KOTKO. That's going to be my pick. Yeah, this is, um, you know, some of the, I have like some outside factors that I'm kind of putting into this as well. I agree with a lot of what you guys were saying as far as um, some of the fight aspects, but I'm also, you know, interested to see how the, you know, the buildup goes for this because of the fight. And I mean, you've seen that big promo they ran uh, Saturday night where they're showing the fight in the crowd. We've seen the interview with Strickland. So I'm interested to see how that goes because now that, you know, DDP knows he can kind of trigger Strickland. I wonder how that works. Um, But on the side of Strickland, you know, there's a a couple things that I think um, 
I'm looking into one, uh, you know, Izzy just did an interview with Teddy Atlas and he talked about how Sean, the way he throws his jab, it almost like hammer fished you in the nose yeah. since he does that shell. And we do know DDP just had surgery on that nose. That's been like one of his things. Yeah. So, you know, if he can bust up that, who knows how that changes maybe some of the lasting later in the rounds. But I also seen that Strickland has been training with Johnny Eblen and I have a lot of respect for what he does yeah. as far as pressure, as far as grappling. Um, I've, we've heard Brendan Allen, I think, say that um, Strickland was able to out-wrestle Magomed in training camps and stuff. So we haven't necessarily seen that yet because nobody's been able to get Sean outside of like maybe Kamaru way back when he was a welterweight yeah. to really push his wrestling. But I do think that Strickland will have um, will have some of that. And for DDP, you know, he had that momentum and, you know, he kind of let it go by taking the time out. So I'll be interested to see if he can kind of maintain that because I don't know if there's anybody who has more confidence right now probably than Sean Strickland yeah. based off of beating Izzy. Um, so my pick is going to be uh, Sean Strickland by decision. Okay. But I did bring the eight ball, so I am going to play. Okay. And so the, the question is going to be, should I stick with Sean Strickland? And we're going to see what it says. I'm going to have Brandon verify. Mm. Better not, and then I can't read the rest of it. Well, then it's DDP by decision. <laughs> oh, so you're going with the eight ball. Yep. <laughs> I like it. I like it. John's going to eight ball. Alrighty, boys. Um, by the way, uh, Brandon, trying yeah. to film a YouTube video here. Do you mind not looking at your phone the entire time? I, do you want everybody? Do you want here? accurate picks? I mean, can we do this before do you, do the you, episode? Before, before you made your picks? Yeah, like I'm sure every, the whole time John's talking, you're just looking at your phone. Like that's that. And you're I'm like, entering. You're I'm literally, literally typing in. <laughs> I'm typing in what you guys are saying. I'm just saying we're filming a video here. It would be nice if you could look up for everybody. Well, I would think the focal point is who's talking, not who's writing down. Well, picks. no, because everybody's on the screen, so yeah. you're disengaging from the audience. Maybe wink at some people. Or something. <laughs> Let us move to our co-main event, boys, and it is for the vacant women's bantamweight title. Um, and that title was vacated, uh, relinquished. I mean, by Amanda Nunes in June of last year when she retired after her win over Irene Aldana at UFC 289. Um, and facing off for this title is number two Raquel Pennington versus number three Myra Buena Silva. And I think one reason uh, this title has set vacant as long as it has is because I think the UFC really wanted Juliana Pena to mm -hmm. be in this fight and one of these challengers. Uh, but I think. Raquel Pennington was always going to be the other factor in that vacant title picture as well because she's been on a tear as of late, unbeaten in her last five straight fights. She is returning, however, uh, after a year off as she beat Ketlin Vieira in January of last year by split decision. She did serve as backup fighter for that Nunez-Aldana matchup back in June. If you remember, she was supposed to face Aldana. They canceled that fight because Nunez needed an opponent. We all thought it would be Pennington, mm -hmm. and then they ended up because the streak. She yeah, they on. ended up throwing Eldon in that fight instead. Uh, so glad she's getting her shot here. But outside of that, she remained uh, Raquel Pennington did inactive for most of 2023. Her opponent, Myra Buena Silva, had a little bit more of an active year. She last fought in July of last year where she defeated Holly Holm by second round ninja choke. However, a month later, she was flagged for a banned substance, one that she claimed uh, to have been prescribed for her ADHD. It was Ritalin. Yeah. Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. Okay. However, uh, the fight with Holm was overturned still to a no contest. Kind of sucks. I, kinda, I'm glad they didn't punish her for that, right. at least in terms of promotionally, right, like where she was in the rankings. Um, so that took, uh, she had been unbeaten in her last four or it took her win streak, excuse me, to four away. Um, 
or you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which took what would have been a four fight <laughs> win streak away uh, as she would have won her whatever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you got all, all three, by the way, coming since her return back up to Bantamweight uh, of her wins there. was Had a little stint there at Flyweight. Didn't go so well. Um, so with that, uh, who do you see taking this? Brandon. Yeah, so I'm really leaning Silva here. Um, I don't. I obviously don't put stock into the the whole banned substance. I understand there's rules, I'm not, but I just don't think that was something that really played into the fight itself. Um, so, I, and Holm, Holly Holm, and Raquel to me are very similar in terms of their ability to utilize clinch work and cage work, especially. And Silva, like she seemed to struggle with that a bit against Holm, but then she eventually found her way with that ninja choke. I, I think something very similar is going to occur here. Um, so for me, I'm leaning Silva. I'll actually. Actually, I'm going to take her. Man, that's where I struggle. Is how exactly do I see her winning? Because I don't. I, I feel like she has the potential to lose the decision because I think Raquel has the slight edge as far as the striking. But I think mm-hmm. she can slip in a submission like she did with Holmes. So I'm going to take Silva by second round submission again. I'll, I'll do that. All right. Oh, oh yeah, you're good. Yeah, it's me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is tough because Pennington not only has a lot more experience in Silva, mm-hmm. uh, but she also has been in there with some of the absolute best female fighters the sport has really ever seen, um, including Amanda Nunes. And that definitely is worth something in a big title fight like this. Uh, but I think right here and now in this matchup, I have to go Silva too. Um, and a lot of that is I just feel like she has more ways to win this fight. Pennington is at her absolute best when she's using combos coming forward um, and then initiating the clinch. Uh, She's very good at it. But when that plan doesn't work, she can kind of just struggle a bit and just get stuck out in the middle and get kind of beat up at times um, because she is someone who will take damage to give it. But the problem is... We just haven't seen her really finishing fights either as of late, and Myra mm-hmm. has an excellent clinch game as well. Uh, we saw both of her previous opponents attempt to use that, as Brandon said, even with Holly honoring. She did really good dealing with it, and it actually is what led to the submission win over Holly. Um, she has some really good trips, which I think uh, her strength as well is going to play a big part in this. Um, I think that's something that will help her in just overall in this fight as well. Myra may not uh, be the more technical striker in this matchup, but man, she is aggressive. She throws mm-hmm. everything with bad intention. Um, and with both ladies not being afraid of initiating, like I said, that clinch, I think somehow she will get this fight to the ground where she's very good and so tough when she's on top of her opponent. Um, and I think she will submit uh, Raquel Pennington, let's say, by third round. I'm going to go third round submission for Raquel Pennington. Um, another thing I did slightly consider as well is Raquel is also a new mom, right? Mm-hmm. And we've heard, set, which is a little big reason why I think she took a lot of last year off, but we've heard several fighters and coaches say that that does change a fighter, for better or worse. Um, and we definitely saw Amanda's game struggle like as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no denying, right? Like, right. When she after she had her her daughter, uh, things change a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's just hard to ignore that here in a matchup for a big title fight, you know, where she is coming off being a new mom and stuff. So that did play into my decision a little bit as well, kind of out of the cage mm-hmm. stuff, I guess. But uh, John, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very interested in this. I think that you know. Raquel's been a, a decision machine, um, but it's just because she has been facing a lot of really great uh, fighters. Um, and I do think there's maybe something a little too uh, Silva's, you know, lack of more fights and just being hungry and uh, haven't got to that mountaintop yet. And this is her chance to do it. Um, I do agree with the aggressiveness. I think she can land big shots and kind of slow down Pennington from trying to really work for it. Because I think Pennington is going to know 
you know, there's there's danger of getting finished by somebody like Myra Silva. And yeah. I think that because of that, she needs to stay on her and, and not give those openings. But when you do that, you could also walk into something. Um, there can be scrambles. And I think that, you know, I agree with you on the ways to win. Um, you said third round yeah, sub. Submission. What did you say? Second round. Second round. I'm gonna say by decision. I think that okay. I think Pennington can. Um, Pennington is both her decision. I mean, right. Pennington's a decision. She's because she's tough. Right, and, so. I, and not a lot of people finish her, and I don't know that. I mean, Myra definitely can, but I think that she'll be uh, wary of that and kind of keep herself safe in situations. But I do think that Myra can walk her down and, and kind of keep the pressure on and get a decision win. You guys ready for this? Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, we are, I don't even know how many minutes into the episode. I just realized I didn't hit record on the audio. <laughs> so does OBS record? Yeah, it's recording. Okay. So, uh, here's to hoping we can extract the audio from the video that, uh, is playing boys or else we just wasted it's, a lot of it's time. It's negative 23 degrees outside. Um, sub zero temperatures effect. Mm. 166 episodes have never done this. So there is obviously a first time for everything, boys. Can't help that. Mm. We should be able to extract the audio. If you're yeah. hearing this now, you know we extracted <laughs> the audio. If not, you're hearing a, a, a apology message. Hey, of, guys, this is Neon Belly. We just want to apologize. We're just going to speed through what we said. This, 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 this. So. Boys, let us move to our third and final featured bow on this card, and that is in the featherweight division as number three, Arnold Allen, takes on number eight, Mavzari Floyev. Um, and the reason that we are featuring this bout mainly is because I think this is a huge fight for this 145-pound division. And I genuinely think winner of this fight is probably just one more win away from fighting for a title. Um, so, you know, depending how Volk and Taporia goes... Whoever wins this uh, may be in a title fight later this year, if not early next year, mm -hmm. with another win. Um, again, just my opinion, but regardless, you know, it's, it's a big fight for the top of this division. And we will start with the almighty Arnold Allen, who is coming into this fight off his first UFC loss in just the second of his career as he came up short to Max Holloway back in April of last year. Before that loss, though, uh, Allen was on a 12-fight winning streak in his career with 10 of those coming inside the UFC. Um, and one of the only guys who can rival that streak is his opponent, Yves Loyev, uh, who comes into this fight a perfect 17-0 in his mixed martial arts career with seven of those coming inside the UFC. His last win was against our 2023 Rookie of the Year, Diego Lopez, who gave Ivloyov all he could handle on short notice. Uh, but Ivloyov coming out victorious nonetheless, and I think this is going to be very interesting, and I'm very interested to see your guys' thoughts on this matchup. We will begin with Brandon. Who are you taking? Yeah, so my, my heart is definitely with Arnold Allen here. Like, yeah, big big fan of his, and I'm a big believer in TriStar and Faraz. So this this matchup itself is is interesting because Arnold Allen has very good takedown defense. I think he's defended like the last 15 takedowns attempted mm -hmm. against him. But this is Evoilov, so yeah. he's a different animal in that department, right? So it's going to be very interesting interesting to see if, A, he can defend those takedowns, but, B, what happens if he does get taken down? What's his ability to get back up? Um, Evoilov has, I think he averages a high number of takedowns per fight. And the one yeah. thing that stands out to me about that is if you're getting that 
many takedowns in a fight, I don't feel like you're holding many people down. At least it wouldn't seem like that mm -hmm. mathematically. So, Almost five. Yeah, so that's a lot, which is good, right? Five yeah. takedowns a fight's yeah. good. But at the same time, you're not holding people down at that rate. And we saw a lot of interesting sub attempts by Diego in his last fight that, that looked pretty good. And Alan's got some sneaky subs when people are shooting in on him. He's got some front chokes, some ninja chokes, and things like that. And again, he trains with Faraz Sahabi. Um, so I'm going to lean Arnold Allen here. I'm going to actually take him by, oh, this is a tough one. Um, I don't know if I should go decision or if I should go. Because I think Allen has the the advantage on the feet as far as striking and power. But the wrestling is really that question mark for me. I'm going to take Arnold Allen by decision. All righty. Yeah. Oh, are we going to say something? I'm going to say good pick. I think I have to go Ivloyov here. Um, what makes him so good and something I think is huge in this matchup is the ability to take guys down. But not just that. It's taking guys down out in open space. Um, his timing and speed at which he can level change to me is just elite. Um, so not having to close the distance, I think, against a guy like Allen, who I think is probably the better striker, obviously, in this matchup. Mm -hmm. To me, that's huge. Um, now, I know he can still obviously get countered trying to come in um, or shoot for a takedown. Um, and honestly, if Loyov's striking defense altogether kind of worries me a bit in this matchup. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw him get pieced up a couple times in that Lopez fight. But again, the ability to get the fight down saved him every time. But again, not having to necessarily close. I mean, he will throw, you know, some jabs just try to set him up. He doesn't just shoot him naked. Um, but it's not like he needs a guy against the cage or he has to use like, you know, dirty boxing or something to get in tight. Mm -hmm. I mean, he can just do it. And he's how the speed and uh, which he can do it is unreal. Uh, and once he's on top of guys, I think once he's on top, I mean, he, he I know what you're saying, uh, Brandon about not getting up, but I think a lot of that too is he's constantly looking for submissions. He's, he is a guy mm -hmm. that tries to finish a lot of fights, although it's not too much success. I know, uh, Lopez had success utilizing his jujitsu to create scam scrambles and submission attempts, but I just don't know if Allen has that same level of grappling in his arsenal. You know, uh, Mavzar was four of seven in his, uh, takedowns in that Lopez fight shot seven times. Um, he's had two fights where he's landed nine takedowns as well, by mm -hmm. the way. Uh, and when you look at Allen, you'd have to go back five fights, so three years total, to find an opponent who attempted more than one takedown on him in a fight. Um, and that was Nick Lentz, who went 0 for 9 on takedowns mm -hmm. in that fight. Um, but I don't think anyone would argue Mobzar is a bit of a different beast than Nick Lentz. Mm -hmm. Although Nick Lentz did take Mobzar down in their fight, so I guess you can take that for mm. what it is and <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, but that stat alone kind of tells me Allen hasn't had to worry about takedowns for a while. Um, and he's now in a fight where they're going to be coming early and often. Um, now, one thing I think we need to see from Ivloyev, I will say, which we haven't seen, is that big statement finish. You know, like I said there a minute ago, all seven of his um, UFC bouts have been decision wins. Uh, but Allen has never been finished in his MMA career, so that's going to be a tough one. I think a decision is definitely the more likely outcome. So I will take Ivloyev by unanimous decision. It's actually funny because Nick Lynch was going to be kind of the point that I put into this fight as far as, you know, you know, Allen stuffed nine takedowns from Nick Lentz. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, Nick, it's a common opponent for between them. And like you said, Nick Lentz was able to take Mavzar down. Um, but I, I think that one thing that's interesting to me is just that the the well-roundedness of Arnold Allen. And obviously, this is going to be a different level of wrestler than he faced. But I would also argue that this is probably a different level of striker for Mavzar, who can, somebody who can really put him out early um and somebody who's you know faced some of the the best guys in the world just not necessarily in the grappling department but i'm not ready to fade arnold allen yet i think that he still has a lot of promise 
Um, and I think that he's in a good camp. I think that, you know, there's, there's not very many people who are going to beat Max Holloway in a stand-up fight, and that's just what happened in his last yeah. fight. I don't think, uh, you know, because he didn't even fold in that fight. In the fifth round, he's still trying. He's still throwing things. So it lets you know that I did, fight didn't break him. I think he uses that, turns this around here, and I think I'm going to take Arnold Allen by second-round TKO. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, like, necessarily fading Arnold, Arnold Allen because of that last fight because I agree with what you said, but, like, even like that, what you said is like to come in and just try to outstrike Max Holloway is like you got to have a little bit more in the arsenal. Mm-hmm. And I just and the thing is like I just but I just don't think Mobzar is going to come in and try to strike with him. Like I just don't see a world where that's. I mean, Mobzar is he, he's an explosive, dynamic striker. I'm not saying he couldn't catch Allen, but if that's Mobzar's plan, he's. I mean, yeah. my pick's going to not go so well because. I think Allen is the better striker, but I just don't think Mavzar is coming in to strike. I think he's going to mm-hmm. look like, again, I said he had two t- uh, two fights where he scored nine takedowns. I think he attempted like 16. He mm-hmm. ain't going to stop. He ain't never right. going to stop. Like, he's yeah. going to shoot and shoot and shoot. I just wonder shoot. what happens if that gets to a certain point where it's just not working. Does he have a, a pivot? But that's when, I, again, I mean, it depends. Arnold Allen, like I said, three years he hasn't had. I think Sadiq Youssef was the only guy within that three years that – um, no, he only attempted one. He was the mm-hmm. one that attempted one. And so uh, when you don't have to worry about it so much in fights, it's just going to be interesting to see how he handles it. And Similar to Strickland too, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these fights. I mean, even like the Myra one, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, there's a lot of similarities in a lot of these fights. So you're going to learn a lot about wrestling. Absolutely, boys. Well, uh, let's get to the rest of this card that I don't have pulled up right in front of me. Got Neil Magny and Mike Malott. I like that fight. Um, I think Mike Malott probably wins that. If I'm being honest, I think he probably takes that fight. Yeah, based on the um, the odds, I think that they're leaning to. Yeah, that's just like giving him the rub in Canada. I feel like that's kind of what this is. I think it's like get him a big name, big win, walk him to the top fifteen, Mike Malott. <laughs> right, uh, Chris Curtis and Mark Andre Barrio. Going Chris Curtis on that one. No, yeah. I don't know, dude. I can't. Mark I, Andre's I, trying to get the rub in Canada the, too. <laughs> I can't fade the power bar in Canada. Actually, never mind. Give me Barrio. Uh, Brad Katona and Garrett Armfield. Charles Jordan and Sean Woodson, um, Pollyanna Vivian and Jillian Robertson. There's a lot of good fights on there. Canada is definitely well represented, obviously, going back to Toronto. So, absolutely. With that, let's get into the news. Going on the news. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The The UFC has a thing for making big announcements the day after we record, and this week was no different. Uh, We had a bunch of fight announcements for the news, so let me run through the highlights. Um, There hasn't been a bigger mystery in the past few months than who will be on UFC 300. We now know strawweight title fight between Zhang Wei Li and Yan Xiaonan is on the card. Uh, Worth noting is that this fight wasn't announced as the main event nor the co-main event in the details, which they often do whenever they announce these fights, which would lead us to believe that there's possibly at least two fights that are going to be above this as we await an official announcement for Leon and Bilal. And as we talked about earlier, there there could be an Alex and Magomed, so... Um, I think, you know, we had talked about how many title fights are going to be on this. I know that's something that you was on. If this is not the co-main or main, you'd have to think that whatever's above it is going to be two more title fights. Yeah. Um, and we'd also talked about wanting this fight on a UFC China card. Obviously, the Singapore card didn't come, and we haven't seen that yet, but this is still a really great uh, title fight. Um, and it's somebody that we've brought up with Wei Li as right. far as um, what to look for in this next year. 
Uh, UFC 300 will also add Charles Oliveira versus Armand Sarukian, and it looks to be a title shot eliminator. Uh, another one that we talked about possibly being on 300. Now we're seeing this matchup. Uh, Islam did put out a statement, or Dana White saying they're doing this because Islam is injured and he should be back by the summer. Yeah, but then Islam uploaded that video. Yeah, of him, him doing like, like trapeze stuff. It's like almost in defiance. Like I felt, I don't know, that was weird. Yeah, that and whole then, thing is weird. And that that uh, turned on the foil hats of people who saying he's trying to get out of a steroid cycle. I don't know how you feel oh, about geez. that. Hey, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but this looks to be a title. But then Islam went out and tweeted that his plan for this year is to fight Gaethje and then fight the winner I of Oliver and Sarukian later in the I, year. I hope that is a legitimate. Yeah, because, I mean, Justin Gaethje obviously was pissed. I mean, which mm -hmm. I don't blame him. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, why, why are we overlooking Gaethje and all this? I, I don't yeah. understand. I mean, I know I know it's tough because those three, like Oliveira, Saruki, and Gaethje, but, I mean, Gaethje has the BMF title. Coming off that big knockout over Poirier, I feel like the hype around Justin Gaethje's never been bigger. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you still, like, why, what, why are we even considering? You're saying, what are you saying, passed up by Oliveira and Saruki? Yeah, because the U.S. Dana said that that, that's a number one contender match. And Gaethje's like, well, what the hell, dude? Like, I'm Why do you think Gaethje deserves it over Oliveira? Why doesn't he? Well, Oliveira just beat Darius. Yeah, but he also lost to Islam already. So did Justin, and Justin also lost to Oliveira. I guess that's fair, but I feel like coming off that knockout, too, over Poirier, and he was in line before uh, Tarugian, or uh, Justin hasn't fought Islam yet, right? No, he fought no. Habib. Oh, okay, I thought you were saying that he oh, lost to him that. as well. Yeah, no, he's never fought Islam. Yeah, so. No, he's fought Oliveira and lost. That's, that's what I was Yeah, but he's never fought Islam. That's So that's what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. it's he's never fought Islam, and Oliveira's already lost to him. So, again, not saying Oliveira doesn't deserve the rematch, but he had his shot. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, it didn't come to fruition. But, yeah, I just don't understand how you're going to overlook Gaethje. I don't think they're passing him up. I think what Islam said is probably what he told Dana White is. I hope. I'm fighting him. Justin or Justin's who I want. I'm fighting him. These guys fight to see who I face next after that. Because you would, you would assume that Armand, you know, he, I mean, the, the storyline's there too. So maybe they're trying to leave the options open. I don't know. Um, we just don't see Islam that often. So right. it's like, I mean, if, if, if that's really what he wants to do, that's great. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to go around for that that division. Uh, lastly, for 300, former Bantamweight champion Cody Garbrandt will be the next step on the Bantamweight ladder for former flyweight champion Davison Figueredo. Yeah, interesting. Um I thought they would give Davison somebody like higher ranked. I don't know why. Yeah, and I wonder if that's maybe them putting a lot of stock in these past couple wins for Cody, maybe trying to give him a springboard as well. Um, but they also could just be playing the name. That is game. a tough springboard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't, know. I don't know. That's a springboard or an anchor. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. And maybe it's just like a big prove it thing for for Cody. I don't know. Like, I think they're playing the name game for three hundred because they know that's what they need to do. Yeah. Um, UFC two ninety nine now has a co main event in the form of a five round lightweight fight between Dustin Poirier and Benoit Saint Denis. Huge fight for Saint Denis here. Opportunity for him to really jump. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting because, you know, for for Dustin, you know, to take that fight, that's a big risky. That's a risky fight. Mm -hmm. What's been more ranked? Like nine? 13, I thought. Or 13. Is he that far He might have moved up since the maybe announcement. There's, maybe there's nine yeah. spots between them. Maybe that's what I had seen. But, yeah, he might be 13. But, I mean, that is, like, risky because if you're Dustin, if you, you're coming off a knockout. You just got knocked out bad. Now, granted, he's taking some time off. Uh, but if you get knocked out or lose again to Saint Denis. 
I mean, your your title hopes are done. Well, like, I put it in the, on the same wing, wavelength as Justin when he fought Faizif. Like, he yeah. kind of had to fight a guy that was further back in the ranks, and it That's was a risky far. fight. Yeah. <laughs> How, yeah, I mean, I get it. I think it, Faizif but. was at least top 10. But, but again, like, for, for, for Dustin, you know, he, when you get to that point where, like, he is in his career, you lose to a guy coming up. At this point in his career, he'll never get back to a title. Um, I told you. I think it, one of these guys is going to retire. Oh, Maybe right? all of them. I don't think. I feel like Dustin would move up before he'd retire. Maybe. I feel like he'll have yeah. his. I feel like. I feel like no matter what, Dustin's going to have a seventy stint, and maybe that's with like all of this. Whoever you can give me, I'll take mm-hmm. just to try to get back to a title or whatever. But even if you beat Sandini, you're still going to have to have one more mm-hmm. win to even get back in the title picture. But yeah, if he loses to Sandini, that's a big risky fight. Well, and it sounds like they, it wasn't necessarily originally going to be five rounds. They both said that if they did it, they wanted to do it at five rounds. Both agreed to this. Yeah. Um, I like this. You know, obviously we were begging for some parity in the top five of lightweight and yeah. those guys getting a chance against younger guys. And we've seen it a lot more in middleweight and some of the other weight classes. So I'm just glad to see them, you know, these higher up guys accept these fights and give these younger guys opportunity in the UFC actually taking advantage of that. Sure. Um, another noteworthy fight that was added to uh, UFC 299 is the UFC debut of the 6'7 Cuban heavyweight yeah. Taekwondo Olympian Robelis de Saint or de Spain, who's 4 0 and has finished all his fights by KO in the first round. Last year in three fights, his ring time totaled 19 seconds. Also, <laughs> has will have the longest reach in UFC history. Yeah, he's facing Josh Parisian. That's impressive. Yeah, um, huge. Yeah, there's he, I think he bronze medaled for yeah. Cuba in Taekwondo. I've seen him hit pads, it's the craziest yeah. thing I've ever seen. It's scary. Um, it's and and what division needs a bigger shakeup than you know heavyweight who we're looking at the top like we might lose a couple guys we need some contenders so yeah. that'll be huge um some other fight announcements amir albazi is out of a scheduled bout against brandon moreno at ufc mexico but moreno now has a new opponent and he'll be having a rematch against brandon royval a uh, huge chance for Rival here to get back into title contention ahead of schedule, but also a very tough challenge mm-hmm. in Moreno to try to get into this. Obviously, his rematch with Pantoja didn't go his way. He loses this one. That's too quick early, mm-hmm. but this could also springboard him, you know, in a chance to get back to that title. Yeah, flyweight division's hot, so, yeah, it's going to be tough for whoever comes up short in that fight. Well, and, you know, with, with losing the Cop and Nikolai fight and then this fight having a little bit of parity, like, it kind of changes the picture of what could be next for Pantoja because – if Manel Cop won big, there was a chance to, you know, push him up. Albazi's well, been on a streak. You know, we've been talking about him maybe being the guy who can go up. Well, dude, like, you just brought up a great point. Wish we would have brought it up earlier when we were talking about Cop. But talk about, again, a big loss for Manel Cop. Albazi getting injured. Would have been the if, perfect. If Manel Cop went out and starched Nicolau, looked good, won, he 100% would have been next. Because now whoever wins between Moreno or Roy Val. Manel Cop 100% gets a shot over either one of them. Right. If Albazi would have beat Moreno, then you would have been like, ooh, who's next? Yeah. So Manel Cop with a win, like, guaranteed himself to be the next challenger mm-hmm. uh, because of this Albazi situation. So, Not, very, because here's the thing, like, maybe you can give Pantoja Moreno again, but that'll be their, like, fourth time fighting, right? Right. And then, obviously, we just saw Roy Val. That didn't go great. So it's like, yeah, you don't, it would have been. Bang on Manel mm-hmm. Cop. So poof. well, and, and maybe if Ouch. you're a cop, maybe you try to get in ASAP and and see if the UFC will give you another chance soon. Because if yeah. not, we're gonna have to sit here and talk. Do we want to see Pantoja fight somebody for the fourth time or somebody for the yeah, second but, time yeah, or third time have, quick? But now you have to. If you're the UFC, you have to question: Is he gonna make weight? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that now he becomes now a you, liability. You just put. In, Why didn't he make weight? Yeah, like, what was going on there? He yeah. released a statement. I didn't read it fully. Mm. Um, 
He, oh, he yeah, uh, he was. He said he was sick uh, last week or two weeks ago and was on like a bunch of antibiotics or something. I can't remember. Well, if anything, you lose weight. I think that's what he said. Yeah, I may be wrong. Well, and he, I he had to do something. That basically we should I should have had it. But. Well, and I feel like you in that situation you look better to pull out from being sick than you do going and missing weight and the fight getting canceled. Like I know you want to try to give yourself the most chance, but if you, I mean, you know, I feel like you know if you're not going to make like as you go into that fight week, especially you know where your weight's at and you can try to push it, but and maybe it's a thing where you know you don't fight, you don't get paid, so guys are willing to risk that, but. I would think it would be better. You know, there is maybe a world where they try to reschedule him and Kaikara since Kaikara doesn't, I don't, I don't believe has an opponent um, as of yet. And then they have their little back and forth and a storyline there. And that's somebody who cop could win, beat and possibly move up and same for um, Kaikara. But that's all I could think of. Yeah. So he said he was sick two weeks ago. Uh, he didn't train for five days, filling himself with antibiotics. Uh, his coaches and manager tried to get him to pull out. Uh, but he decided to move on and not cancel. Uh, yeah, so that's what happened. He said, last year I had five fights canceled. One of them, my opponent was 11 pounds above, and I still agreed to fight. I don't know. But regardless, I mean, it's now you've, you've even just put that doubt mm -hmm. in the UFC's mind. It's not great. Yeah, and I mean, and, you know, Moreno is always going to be uh, a good point, a good person to try to, you know, put yourself against to kind of get to that. So Yeah, but Moreno's got to be careful, man, because yeah. you can't – can't just keep doing quadrilogies with Brandon Moreno. So at some point the UFC is going to, you know, he's going to fight himself out if he doesn't, he's mm -hmm. got to keep beating these guys as they're coming yeah. up. You know, you can't just, you don't want to fight yourself out of opponents, I guess, is well, if that and, makes sense. And that's why I think it's a, you know, it's a big chance taken here by Roy Vall, who's, you know, just came off a really tough fight with Pantoja where it's like, you know, he's also now tied to people for multiple fights, especially Pantoja. Yeah. Um, Next up, we have uh, Tai Tuavasa will be facing Marcin Tibera, headlining a Vegas fight night card in March. Um, I feel like that's just kind of moving some guys around. The heavyweight division, I think once you get below like five, it's just kind of guys just randomly facing each other until somebody gets two in a row and they face a top five guy. Yeah. Uh, Sean Brady will be facing Vincente Luque to headline the stacked UFC Atlantic City card in March. I know we were wondering what was going to happen with Luque after he wasn't rebooked with Ian Gary. Now we know it's Sean Brady. Huge fight for both of them. So, And that Atlantic City card is starting to get really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Amanda Hebus will be headlining a fight night in March as well against Thug Rose as she stays in, uh, is it Fly? Did she drop down? Who? Uh, Thug Rose. I have no idea. She went, she went down in a weight class, uh, but she's fighting Amanda Hebus. They'll be headlining. She was 115 pounds. Oh, she so went she up. went up. So, okay. She's, so she's staying up okay. and fighting Amanda Hebus in March. And uh, lastly, a returning contender as Jer Jermaine Durandamy will be facing Norma Dumont at Bantamweight in April as well. Uh, what a better time for Jermaine to come back as we don't have a champion and we don't really know what's going on with the Bantamweight women's. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I have is for light heavyweight champion, Arthur Betterbeev defeating Callum Smith in the seventh round, TKO to move his record to 20-0 and with 20 knockouts in boxing. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I told you guys this morning the daggies are starting to invade boxing now. It's <laughs> yeah, it's not a good day for boxing people if those guys start getting good at that. Oof. I can tell you. <laughs> tell they're good you, at, they're hey, good at violent basketball. They're M good at <laughs> MMA fan here. Just want to let you guys know over there in boxing world, <laughs> if these yeah. guys get good, get ready for ten yeah. years. Yeah, let me tell you something. <laughs> nothing but Dagestanian champions. Um, one more thing, I guess, before uh, we can kind of move into like our closing stuff. So uh, I don't know if you so like 
the you know Zhang Wei Li, Yan Shaonan, uh, Dana White announced that, and there was a lot of like um, uproar. People like this, uh, like this three hundred card, isn't coming together, and it's just like there's a lot of people think it's underwhelming mm-hmm. right now. Which I mean, we don't know much about it, you know. But two ninety nine is so good, um, and so Ariel Hawani had basically put out a video, kind of just telling people like you know chill out about it. I wish I had the video. I would just play it. But, like, just kind of, like, calm down. Like, you know, why is everybody so worried? Like, nobody said this thing has to be big. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just what people are kind of, like, building up. And, like, to, the, to like, what he was saying is, like, Sean Allen and Wei Lee's a great fight. Yeah. And it's, like, we can't get mad about fights that we were, like, you know, kind of calling for. And yeah, just excited for. But so my argument to the whole thing, though, and I guess I'll ask you guys, because Jacob brought this up to me, and this is what I said to him, is I think maybe what we're seeing, the bigger issue is, is there just not enough stars right now in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Because whom, like... Everybody's like, oh, if Bilal and Leon high, it's like, dude, that's a welterweight title fight. That's a big, yeah. that's a big fight. Like, well, if this person may even, if it's like, it's like, if it's not Connor or Jones, nobody's mm-hmm. satisfied. So, so like, I feel like, is it what, so are you, cause we know, we know Sean O'Malley ba- based off these pay-per-view numbers, apparently can't sell either. Not, right. or not a big, you know, draw. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is the bigger issue that there's just not big enough stars The UFC really needs to get back, which I think is kind of funny because I think it was in the Theo interview dana white said kind of almost braggingly that like oh yeah you know the only thing i do now is like i only do things i want to do like fight i you know fight making and but one of them was star building he's like that's my thing i built star like i take people i know how to do this connor i've done it you know whatever um i mean is that i mean what do you guys think yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm saying is like is it that the fights aren't big enough but is it maybe that the names aren't big enough? You, does, this, mm-hmm. does this make sense? I, I don't know that it's the, that the names aren't big enough. Like, okay, think of, when do you feel like the UFC was at its biggest, right? Maybe like 13, 14, Pete Jones, McGregor, and like GSP was still around Ronda, those guys. Like, Ronda, GSP, yeah. How many stars at that time do you feel like Silva, there were? Anderson, Brock. Brock, Anderson. But like at one point in time is what I'm saying. Because like right now we can say. Well, I mean, that what's that one picture where all the champions, it was like yeah. Aldo, Jones. I mean. I want to say that was like 14. And you can say, been. but you're talking about all champs. Right. And it's like, I feel like right now there's probably about the same number of what we would subjectively consider stars in the UFC. It's just, I think they're running into the issue of they've got a lot of guys already booked and you're, I feel like we're just consistently spoiled from what we've had in previous years, and I, I just don't think that it's really the case that there aren't enough. So I think there are plenty of stars right now. I just don't think that they're able to align it the way they'd want to on this massive card. And, and I think there's still potential for some people to return and make this card even bigger. Well, and, and my thing, too, is I think there aren't... A, I don't think that there are a lot of stars, but I think there are a lot of very top-level fighters. And I think, you know, the NBA has a similar situation where, you know, at one point you had, like, the Kobe and LeBron and a couple people, but now all these young guys are coming up, and there's a lot of room for guys, you know, week to week to kind of move ahead of people. And, you know, for the UFC... You know, we don't think about how much of this is still entertainment. There is that's why you do have the stars, people who are good on the mic, who create rivalries, who do these type of things. That's what made Connor so great. That's what made you know even Ronda the trash talk stuff or uh, Habib with you know 
maybe playing the more humble role and people attached to that. So I, I think that there is still real. I think we like the good fighters, but people want the polarizing people. And unfortunately the polarizing people right now are Patty Pimblets, Sean O'Malley, who we haven't seen soul as much, you know, they're putting a lot of stock in Bo, but they're not booking him against names that get people excited yet. And I think that might be a downfall. Yeah. But them. you know, like again, like <clears throat> I think again, like a fight with Leon and Bilal, like how does that not excite you again? Cause even if you hate the idea of Bilal, then you should just be so ready for, early on to go through go out blow through him knock him out and move on to whatever is next mm -hmm. like but even like that like i felt like when a guy like me and so maybe it's more of an issue of like they don't know how to build stars for this generation mm -hmm. and then maybe these maybe these fighters aren't connecting to right. crowds or younger people or whatever because i feel like for a guy like leon um much like izzy like when izzy became champ man like people like really jumped on that you know mm -hmm. that band you know he's big in the anime stuff and a lot of that like a lot of people connected to what he and like for like leon it just hasn't happened and you know you could maybe put some of that on leon but i also feel like it's the ufc's job to sell him as a champion so it's mm -hmm. like is it maybe that they're just not selling some of these guys well, as well as they used to let me ask you a question about izzy so like when he burst out on the scene right everyone was all about izzy and he was the next big thing and like everyone was touting him as this massive star is it the UFC's fault at this point that he isn't that? Or is it more his fault? Well, in that? I think he still about, is. I think Izzy's still pretty big. Are right you now? talking about Leon? No, I'm saying Izzy. No. You feel like Izzy's a big, like a really massive star. Yeah. yeah. What are you basing if that you, on? If you look at his uh, his following, I think his social media, the, still the pops. and then he has he's still his, part of some of the bigger selling pay per views, his YouTube and stuff. So I think like that's what I think is like I feel like if you're not doing so like somebody like Alex Pedeta, that dude is a star and barely speaks a lick of English, but his social media is great. And I feel mm -hmm. like and now that's what it is. It's like if it's almost and I think that's maybe what I'm saying is like if you're not a fighter who sells yourself on social media and does a good job like streaming like Max Max has an entire population of people that are fans of Max Holloway and have could care less about his fighting they're mm -hmm. into his gaming and yeah. so it's like I feel like now it's like if you're not doing something for yourself the UFC just doesn't really offer much in terms of like building like Leon's not a big social media guy like he's not you know out mm -hmm. so then I feel like that's where the UFC has to come in and come alongside him like hey Hey, let's try to do this like let's we want to do this we want to do that and maybe they do and we just don't mm -hmm. know and leon says no and maybe that's a possibility right but i guess what i'm saying is i just feel like the bigger issue here because i remember a time where dude i got sold on a fight of gsp versus john fitch like you know what i mean <laughs> like those were some rough days yeah. <laughs> to be a you you know what i mean but whether you loved or hated gsp you just wanted to see him fight yeah so i guess that's more what i'm saying is like i just feel like maybe the issue isn't so much of these fights aren't big enough. It's maybe that fighters aren't big enough. And maybe that's more in the, and like maybe that falls more on the UFC, mm -hmm. like, or I guess more specifically Dana, who says that he's a star builder. Well, there was a time where, you know, you know, you go back maybe five, six years where we knew plenty of people that, People are going to watch if Connor fights. They yeah. don't know who he's fighting. They don't know anybody else on the card. Yeah, same with Ronda. Floyd. Same with John Jones. Floyd yeah, you never cared how boring one Floyd fight was mm -hmm. to the next. They were all boring for the most part. But you watched because it was Floyd Mayweather. Right. He was polarizing. He was captive. You know, whatever. And yeah, I don't know. Well, and right now we also don't have a lot of fighters who are you know like a, a champion. 
you know, running away with multiple wins where people want to see that guy lose or keep, see if he'll stay on it. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of, I mean, last time, how many belts did change hands last year? We talked about it in the awards, you but know, I, and I predictions. Feel, and, and, and another thing I wanted to get back to with that, like about the aspect of like, is there just not enough stars is like, I feel like there's just so much UFC, the roster is so massive mm -hmm. that it probably is a little bit harder to develop people because there is, we are in, a, in an age now where people care about the 15th ranked lightweight mm -hmm. or welterweight in the world. And, and that guy probably has a core following but if you're the ufc it's hard to really focus on that guy <laughs> you know yeah. when, when you got a champion like leon that doesn't really promote himself and doesn't you know what i mean mm -hmm. like so i'm just saying like i don't know i just feel like that and maybe there's room for everybody to get better there mm -hmm. um but like i just feel like that was kind of my thing is like maybe the bigger issue here isn't that the fights aren't big enough or they're underwhelming maybe it's just these people aren't big enough stars to where people care to watch them fight. I think Tom Aspinall is working names. his way up, and I don't think it's because of Dana. I think it's because of what he's done, like you said, on social media and in interviews. Yeah, and if you do that, like Marab does a really good job. Mm -hmm. You know, he's another guy that people kind of endure themselves to. Well, even Aljamain, people wanted to see him lose, or Henry Cejudo, where they think they, you know, guys are corny or cringe, yeah. and they talk a lot, so people want to see them lose, so they tune into sure. it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about mm -hmm. randomly that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Um, as far as like what you guys thought, if maybe it's the bigger issue is just not enough stars. Yeah. Well, some people just kind of casual. If you're not watching the fight nights, you're not seeing these people come up, you're not excited about it. But we've watched Saint Denis build himself up to this point to where we're excited to see what him and Dustin look like. But if you haven't watched, you know, some of these fight nights or undercards, you have no idea what to expect. Yeah. Song of the week, boys. I got it. I'm going to go Lecrae and Ty Dollar Sign. Blessings. Nice. Brandon, what is your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. So this is my second consecutive year watching NFL football and following a team. And so I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, for those mm -hmm. that don't know. And uh, you guys said last year it's real easy to root for your team when they're when they're on top, right? Yeah. Last year I think they had two losses, one including the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, this year they started the season 10-1. and one, Yeah, really And good. here lately they've, they've lost five of their last six. Yeah. And next, well, this game on come Monday, Agent Brown's not playing. Um, there's, I don't even know. I he think removed Hertz, social media of the Eagles off of his all the stuff. Yeah, so I think he might I, be out. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even recall if Hertz is playing. To be honest, I think he's like questionable. He's got an issue with his hand, but man, it's it's a rough time to be an Eagles fan. It's not the worst because they're in the playoffs. Struggling to root for him. I'm not struggling to root for him, but I don't have a ton of confidence in this mm -hmm. game coming up on Monday against the Buccaneers of all teams. So, like, it's been interesting. Like, but just, I think back to what you guys said of like, man, it's easy to it's easy to yeah. root for him when they're on top. Well, it's then, a, eleven players on each side. Everybody has to do their job. Mm -hmm. If you get an injury, people struggle. Yeah, so. that's why you haven't even seen your team lose a playoff. So, yeah, or no. like in my case, you haven't even not well, had to see your team in the playoffs for like seven, eight years. You say, you say, say that, that long, but I see a lot of people talking about that Eagles shouldn't even be in the playoffs with how they've been playing. So, like, yeah. fair enough, they're in it, but oh, well, man. it has got you to get deeper into the trenches with the breakdown stuff for the quarterback, yeah. like we were telling you about the videos I've been watching. I would have never guessed I've been watching. Here's the, here's going to be the real test if he starts talking about draft prospects. I think maybe we should go after. Because that's when you really are yeah. in the trenches. Well, not there yet. Again, he's never seen his team, one, lose a playoff game, two, never make the playoffs. Ooh, you guys got the Cowboys, too, don't you? No. Well, Bucks. Buccaneers. Oh, Bucks. Oh, well, if you lose to Baker, that doesn't feel good either. Yeah. So. so we'll see. Like I said, you got to you gotta survive a season where they don't make it to – I mean, like, again, like I said, you, you just so happen to follow <laughs> them again the year they win the Super Bowl. Uh, so you haven't seen them lose a whole lot, number one. But – uh, if you're still a fan after they go, like I said, I think the double doink happened in 2018. I don't mm -hmm. think the Bears have been back to the playoffs since. Are you still a Justin Fields fan? Um, yeah, yeah, I like Fields. I I actually think they're going to keep him. 
Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I am a Justin Fields fan still. Yeah. I think there's a lot. I've said it again. I think there's a lot more problems there than Justin Fields. Well, I think the real test will be if you stay on long enough to lose your quarterback and have to deal with whoever they. I'm okay if they move off of Justin Fields. I totally trust the RGM and the Ryan Poles and stuff, whatever decision they make. But if they choose to keep him, I think, I don't think there's a bad, you can't make a bad decision here. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, dude, you can take. Caleb Williams, Drake May, but you have no guarantees that they're going to be any better pan out than. I mean, how many right. failed number one? I mean, that's it's just the game. Because well, fields look just as good as they did in college. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. John, what's your one for the people? I got two things. First is I heard a word on the street that uh, sometime within the past couple months, somebody relinquished a queen and lost a chess game to Chase. What? He told me at jujitsu that he beat oh. you in chess. You relinquished your queen on accident. Maybe you didn't see it. He said he beat you. <laughs> Yeah, probably like a year ago, maybe. He said a couple months, maybe. It's and I was hard. like, "That's kind of crazy, considering you're in tournaments, you're ranked. You send us your wrap up." I don't understand mm-hmm. what relinquishing your queen means. Losing like the most valuable piece oh. on the board. You Chase, lost Chase, that to Chase, Chase took it. You lost that to Chase. Probably. probably How did that happen? He's I like don't even know. Casual. It's player. probably the equivalent. Think of it like the equivalent of like giving somebody your ankle and being like, just go, just crank on it. See if it even like, and yeah. then it's like, oh yeah, that kind of got you just me. like, yeah, but you could have said like, were you just trying something maybe? I and don't remember. I don't even remember. So that's what well, I, yeah. to be fair, he didn't gloat it, but I brought up chess. I was like, you ever beat Brandon? He's like, yeah, actually a couple months ago. And I was like, whoa. Well, here's the thing. He's, you say he didn't gloat about it. Chase is very like passive aggressive. Like he tries yeah. to like say like things <laughs> and tries to make it seem like he's not like trying to go. I said, I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. He's like, well, you know, it was a couple months. I don't know. <laughs> you know, don't get him turned up on me. But okay. I was like, you know, that's interesting it's kind of like one of those things like he's tapped me before right mm-hmm. so we can talk about like the three times he's tapped me in his life right how many times have i tapped him in three which, years which felt worse him tapping you or beating you in chess well, probably the tap because yeah. chess chess is just like jujitsu man crazy things happen that's sometimes. true you said seven-year-olds can be really good at yeah it, it's so. crazy well my second thing is shout out to our boys eat the cake anime had our video go to a million views last week uh, really big for them. Nice. Proud of those guys. So if you're into anime, if you're on Facebook, eat the cake anime. Our boys Dino and Savon. Alrighty, that is it. Come back next week. We will recap UFC 297. I believe we have another fight night mm-hmm. after that. Which one is it? Is it the uh, uh, Delize yeah. Imavov mm-hmm. after that? I believe so. He's gotta let it rock. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Peace. Peace.